0: So this is Mark Hummel, and this is Mark Hummel's harmonica party, and I'm sitting here with my friend Willie Chambers from the Chambers Brothers. We haven't Good seen see each you. other in, I want to say, it's been about a year, I think. Yeah, a little, maybe, maybe just a little may, more than a year. Maybe a little more, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm in Los Angeles at Willie's home, and uh, we're in LeMert Park. Is that how you say it? LeMert. LeMert Park, L-Mert right. Park. And uh, we're just going to talk about Willie's career, uh, how he got to California from Mississippi and uh, playing in the Chambers Brothers and all the different people that you've known and places you've played and been, been all around the world. Oh, so. yeah. So I wanted to start with just uh, you. You came. I know you
1: told me the name of the town. It was some tiny little spot in Mississippi, right? Uh, about a hundred people, maybe two hundred people. Carthage, Mississippi.
0: Well, Carthage.
1: Carthage had maybe five hundred people. Up. Carthage. Yeah. Okay, is that where you were from? Carthage, Mississippi. Okay,
0: and um, you moved out here. Well, did you say the fifties? Nineteen fifty-four. Fifty-four. Right. right. Okay. And, and, and what year were you born, by the way? 1938. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So you are definitely younger than Barbara. <laughs> Barbara's older than me. Barbara's, yeah. She, she was born 29, I think. Oh, my 1929, God. yeah. And she's still kicking. She's still kicking. That's amazing. Yeah. That gives me
1: inspiration. Yes. <laughs> she is very
0: inspiring. And so um, so I want to just talk a little bit about, you You grew up in Mississippi, and you said you worked on a farm,
1: right? Yeah, cotton, corn, peas, beans, sugarcane, watermelons, cucumbers, squash, tomatoes, carrots, onions, you name it. Uh-huh. And, wh- and what was,
0: and you had, you have three brothers alive? Or four. There's
1: three brothers still alive. Three Joe, brothers Joe still alive. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. And you guys, uh, what are your age differences?
1: Two years difference. In two years in each. Things. Each. Okay. Each, there were thirteen kids. And uh, right. That's what every I remember. Two he... years. My mom and dad would say, "Hey, <laughs> we need to talk."
0: <laughs> yeah, I know you came from a really large family, and and were all of you working during that time, like on the farm
1: well uh some of the older brothers lived in uh, different towns different places and they, they had their own farm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Matthew Benjamin and uh, uh, Rosie was a older sister uh-huh. they all lived back like, in Flora, Mississippi which okay was about 75 80 miles away. flora yeah, yeah okay
0: I've heard of that
1: and uh, but George uh, George uh, Lester Joe, and myself we all lived in Carthage uh-huh. On the farm there.
0: So and where were you in the in the place of uh, ages?
1: I'm number seven.
0: You're number seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's a that's a huge family smack
1: dab in the middle. Yeah, that is a
0: huge <laughs> family. And now were your family were you were you guys sharecropping? We were sharecroppers.
1: Sharecropping. Yeah. Okay. And uh,
0: so you did a lot of uh,
1: picking cotton, is that right? A lot of picking co- cotton, pulling corn, shucking corn, shelling corn, Right. shelling peas. Right. When I was 13 years old, my brother George got drafted into the Korean War. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, we were just putting our group together. We were working in the fields one day. My, wow. my brother Lester and Joe and myself, and two of our cousins we had a little group a little we were a gospel group right the chambers brothers was uh, that was our main thing when that was the beginning that, mm-hmm. that's all I can remember is from the time we were born was gospel music
0: now how did you how did you pick up on gospel music was that was that was, from church or was it in
1: records well, or it started at home the first the first singing and music i ever heard came from my mom and dad okay when I was uh, maybe a, a year old, I remember, there was, after, the, after working in the fields every day, there was singing after, well, we call it supper, then we call it dinner now. Right, right. After supper, there was singing, sitting around the fireplace and you know, whatever, and singing. And it just continued. We worked, we, when we worked in the fields, we sang all day
0: now, would you sing gospel when you're singing the yeah, fields, or, or do you just sing different songs?
1: We sing gospel, spiritual songs. Uh-huh. Neighboring farmers would, uh, at church on Sunday, would request certain songs. Would you guys sing uh, this song tomorrow when you went in the fields? Yeah. It was like a certain time of the evening. Yeah. You could say, hey, you hear it go, Hey, 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 hey. Right, hey. right. That's what I heard. Yeah. A certain time of the evening. Yeah, you know, that's what I've I heard. That time of the evening we would we was we were singing all day. I've heard you could you could hear like uh for like miles. Yeah, my, It yeah. would travel yeah. every time you you say hey, they go, Hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey. That's how it's and, About every mile, it, was, right. it would say, "Hey!" That's, again. That's amazing. Until it fades yeah. out, and it would travel. That's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: And we would, we would, we, would all, we were always singing, and it, it really made the work not seem so hard. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets singing; you didn't notice how hard the work or how long the day was. Right, it just it was beautiful.
0: So it gave a certain relief. Yes. When you
1: sang, yeah. yeah. When I was when, when I was uh, thirteen years old, we were we were working in the fields one day, and George, uh, George, and and an older brother, Major, they they sang in a senior group. Uh huh. But in the fields, we sang together all the time. Right. And we were just singing along, and we decided, hey, why don't we just have a. Singing group among ourselves. Yeah. So we we were just deciding that, and we decided we were going to be a group within the family. Mm -hmm. Well, we couldn't come up with a name for the group. Everybody submitted a name, but we couldn't get everybody agreeing on one particular name at the same time. So we just. We decided. Well, we just have to call ourselves the Chambers Brothers. Right. Well, that's a good name. <laughs> oh, they're not bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's how, that's how we ended up being the Chambers Brothers. And uh, at, when I was 13, my, my dad my dad had uh, gotten sick. He'd gone fishing one Saturday, and he ate some bad food, and he got tomain poisoning. Hmm. And he passed out and collapsed while fishing in the swamps. And he lay there all day in the sun, and he got uh, totally dehydrated. God almighty. He ended up in the hospital. He was in the hospital forever. But when he did come out of the hospital, he couldn't work anymore. He just couldn't do it anymore. And Brother George got drafted into the Korean War. Right. And the uh, landowner came down to the house one evening and said to my mom, Vic, I might be having to ask y'all to move out of the house. It seems you, you ain't got nobody to do the work anymore. So that's how sharecropping, the landowner gave you a, a makeshift sometimes, depending on what what kind of attitude the, right. farmer, the, the landowner had toward yeah,
0: labors. you were totally at the mercy yeah, of... Yeah, uh uh-huh. yeah.
1: Sometimes the houses, uh, you could lay in your bed and... Look up at the sky. The skies. Yeah. <laughs> but the the, land, the landowner we had at the time, he was he was decent. Yeah. We had a, a fairly decent house to live in. Mm-hmm. But he was saying uh, he would probably have to ask us to leave because we, uh, we had nobody to do the work. Because my dad and my brother George, they did all the heavy-duty work at the right. time like my tractors dad, and yeah that all can always mule and plow right okay it was mule and plow wow. so when my dad yeah. when my dad got when my dad was sick and he couldn't work anymore and then just when we were putting our group together a week after we decided we were going to be the chambers brothers george got drafted into the korean oh war. my god so that was yeah. the end of that. So way he, he went off to korean war and the land the landowner says uh uh, old George can't work anymore, and, uh, little George is, uh, in the, in the war, you got nobody to do the work, uh, I might have to ask y'all to move out of the house, and I'm thinking, I was, I was 13, and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's gonna, that's gonna separate our family, cause, uh. If we can't stay there, no is going to allow us to live on the, on the land. Right. We can't turn that work. It was yeah. 35 acres of cotton and oh my God. 25 acres of corn at the time. Yeah. So he's talking to my mom, and I said, I can do it. And he just took a quick glance at me and kept uh, saying to my mom, I might, what he was saying, get out. Right, right. <laughs> so he said, I might have to ask you to get out. Yeah, So, and I said it again, I can do it. he said, boy, you mighty little. I said, yeah, but I can do it. And he looked at me and he says, all right, boy, I'm gonna give you a year, see what you can do. Wow. I did it for three years, 35 acres of cotton and 25 acres of corn all by myself. Yeah. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to encounter. Right. I'm still recuperating from that. <laughs> 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 I did, but I did it. I did it for three years. Yeah, that's incredible. But I, I, I told my dad, I says, I don't think I can make it another year. It's, uh, it's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, my feet. Was, and it was just you. I you know, just mean thirty-five wow. acres of cotton and twenty-five acres of corn.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Man. Yeah, I did the whole thing the plant, the cult, the turning the soil, yeah, the preparation for planting, yeah. fertilizer. That is a big job. Oh, God, tell me about it. I, I, I can barely be- do that for an hour. <laughs> I did it from sun up to sundown. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. for three years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't have the upper body strength, so I had to work, I had to hook my elbow into my. Pelvis Mm -hmm. and do it like that. Mm -hmm. So right now my body is like that. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy, man. This side is way up here, and this side. Anyway, I did it for three. I did that for three years. It kept our family together. That was that was my only concern. God had to be in the plan because there's no way there's no way I could have did that. Yeah. At that age. Yeah. For three years. And your
0: brothers couldn't. Couldn't My do it because they were too young. Two
1: years younger than me. Yeah, so they were too young. Right. And then uh, Joe was uh, two years younger than him. Right. So, wow. Yeah. And, and the the uh, the rest of the brothers was married and living in different places. Right. And, so they and were and growing a farm. position yeah. families to support them.
0: Right.
1: It was me. I yeah. was born right at t- right at, right on the good times and catch it all. <laughs> <laughs> but it kept our family intact. Yeah. Because I I I knew if. If we couldn't live on this land, nobody's going to allow us to move on the land because right. you got to be able to do that work or else you're out of it. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point that that would make us have to split up, a couple go live here and a couple go live with relatives and right. stuff like that. And I didn't want that to happen, so yeah. I So you basically
0: kept the family together. Yes, I did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, should sure me move did. this
0: a little bit towards that you?
1: That was uh, okay. it was quite strenuous, but I managed. I managed to yeah. do it for three years. Yeah, but I told my dad. I said, "Dad, I don't think I can. I don't think I can make it another year, and I'm not picking any cotton." And I and I know
0: you told me a hell of a story about uh, how you left Mississippi. What what put you in a position where you had to leave Mississippi when you got into a confrontation with yeah, with one, the landowner? Uh,
1: so uh, uh, that's when we were a junior group, me and Joe Lester, me and uh, my, two of our cousins. We uh, every weekend we went someplace to sing. And you know, like mm-hmm. some uh, a, some friends had uh, their dad had a, he drove a school bus. He, had he on everybody on their own school bus. The men would build the school buses. They would get by the trucks and they would build the bodies. Wow. And, yeah, and they just had benches inside. And, you know, yeah, the, the body of the school bus. Anyway, there was a...
0: And were you going to school the whole time you were picking up I God? never
1: got... Man, I never got a chance to go to school. Yeah. Did yeah. any of your brothers? Yeah, they, they? they, they went to school. Yeah. I, I never... I was working in the Basically, field. you had no choice. And yeah. When I told my dad I couldn't do it another year, I didn't think I would make it. He says, uh, it's all right, so at the end of this crop, we to California. We're gone. Yeah, right. so the, the 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 first year that I was doing that, thirty-five acres in cotton and twenty-five acres of corn, um, we had gone every weekend. We went someplace to sing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was a church, uh, a yeah. church uh, affiliated. We mm-hmm. were a gospel group. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody wanted to go someplace. Right. So at church, we would announce that we were going, and there would be a bus. And the, 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 uh, the man who owned the bus, he never charged us more than 20 bucks, 19, yeah. 20 bucks, no yeah. matter where went. No matter how where dollars, you went. 19 huh? or 20 bucks. Wow. Okay. And we would, uh, we would announce it at church, and everybody wants to go somewhere. Right. So everybody would uh, want to go, go, and we charged charge them like a quarter to 50 cents to ride yeah. the bus. So that kind of helped with expenses. That paid for the our expenses. bus and yeah. our snacks. Right. We had it right. going on. Right, sounds <laughs> and like this it. this one particular night, we went further than we had ever gone. I think we got home around 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. Well, I didn't have time to sleep at all. I yeah. had to get well, right to the fields. And I was like, gee whiz and cotton. I don't know if you know what that means. That's, mm-hmm. that's a plow. It's it's on an angle, like mm-hmm. one blade is there, one blade is... Right. They're, never, they're not even, and right. it's hard to do. So you and that's to, why
0: you were saying the thing about... Is that part of why... Well, you, I had to do that all the time. That was all the all time. All the time, yeah.
1: You go down one side, and then you go back down the other side. Yeah. It's, prepare make is, a preparation uh, is that what a turn row is turn row I don't know what that is I've heard something about what a turn uh, row uh, is or something but I don't know t- uh, turning plow I maybe yeah okay I, I thought I heard something this is that. a gee whiz like you, you're, you're getting a you're getting the, the cotton is about so high now, right and you and you push the dirt up covers up everything except the cotton stick and then because mm-hmm. the cotton is like that you got to thin it out right you put it in groups like ever so many inches apart and that's the that's the kind of work I was doing that one particular morning and like it was it was okay when when the Sun was just coming up but right 10 o'clock that morning oh man the Sun came out and it's so hot I couldn't work I had to rest I had to take a lot of breaks right and one time, I was taking my break, and the landowner came out. Uh, he glared over in that direction for a minute, and then he went back inside. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I'm working again. Right. Now I got to take another break. So and when he comes he didn't out, see that you were working. You no. Know, when he comes out a second time, I'm I'm taking a break again. Right. He thinks you're and not it doing anything. And it looked back to him that I just was not working. Right. Right. He stared over across the fields at me and then he reached over and he dragged his rocking chair over on the front porch mm-hmm. and he sat down. His wife came came out and brought him the newspaper and a big picture of iced tea or Kool-Aid or something. And now he's uh, picks up his newspaper and he's reading the paper like this. Looking at you. Yeah, right. Yeah, to tell you the truth. That pissed me off. Oh, I bet it did. <laughs> it did. I can and understand. And I said, "The heck with it!" I ain't. Yeah. And I just quit. Right. Well, that that made him really angry. Yeah. Yeah. And he slammed down his newspaper. He jumped. He went and got in his car. He come driving down the road like a crazy person. Right. I had uh, about a three-acre corn patch off the road, uh-huh. and he parked this car on the road and he came through the corn They he was just knocking the corn all around. Right, And I said, well, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be Bad. serious. Yeah. So I reached down and I disconnected the single tree, Right. The plow, that's a hickory piece of wood, it's mm-hmm. about like, I disconnected and just left it laying in place I so said, if it comes to it, this will be my defense, <laughs> I'll use this as, as, you know, to defend Jeez. myself. Yeah. So he came down through the corner and he came, he got like 10 feet or 20 feet away. I, I suggested, don't come no closer, you know, talk to me from there. Yeah. And so he says, Nigga, you threatening me? I says, No, I will kill you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and he. And you were what, about 16 at this point? I was 13.
0: 13? You were 13.
1: Okay. I was okay. 13. And yeah. And when I said that, really got, he really got angry. And he, yeah. and he says, Nigger, I'm going to beat your black ass. And When I get done beating your ass, you're going to work to my satisfaction. And he came at me again. I scooped up the single tree and I swung at it. Mm-hmm. He jumped back. He says, Nigger, you tried to hit me in the head. I says, I will kill you. And that made him more mad. He I came bet. at me a second time, and I oh was, my god! I, sw- I, I almost caught him that time. He yeah. jumped back. Wow! And he realized you were serious. I was serious. Yeah. He was serious, and I was serious yeah. too. And like. Yeah. A, I'm not going to stand there and let some guy kick my butt like that. that, That's the problem with that's why black history is what it is today. Right. Because our forefathers didn't defend themselves, they they were humble. Right. See, black people are one of the most God fearing people on the planet. And generally, a black person would rather humble himself and, and take a beating than to retaliate. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing in some situations. No. You need to defend yeah. yourself. I'll tell you another story that convinced me that that's not the way to go. It's right. to, to go. Oh, please don't hurt me. Right. So when I swung at him a, a second time, he come down. and He says, "Man, you got to do the work." I says, "The work is going to get done." I said "But you can't bother me like this. You you got to leave me alone." Mm-hmm. He says, I, I, I didn't get any sleep last night, and mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can do. Yeah. But the work is going to get done. Mm-hmm. So he went on. Mm-hmm. He, he went and got in his car and went back home. Yeah. But that evening, he came down to the house, and he told my dad, he says, George, i got to talk to you. And my dad says, yes, sir, what is it? He says, well, that boy of yours there, he cursed me out over in the field today and tried to hit me in the head with the sanger tree. My dad says, oh, wait a minute. You had to give him a reason to do that. Then he got mad at my dad. Yeah. Wow. Are you calling me a liar? My dad says, no, I'm not calling you a liar. But, says, but that's my son. I raised him and I know yeah. he would never do anything like that. Right. Without Unless you gave him a cause. Right. And he says, well, I like your family. You're a hardworking family. I like all of you, but you're going to have to do something with that one. That means I gotta be I gotta be gone. Yeah. Or else there's gonna be a lynching. Jesus. After that, I got my brother in Korea and he's gonna he's gonna hear about this. Yeah. And I can imagine the agony he went through being away in the Korean War. Sure. Knowing that I have I have I have retaliated in that that manner. Right. And he know the results, what the results could be. Yeah and he's there he can't he can't walk away he's he can't come and defend me uh right I, I i think about it all the time what he must have been going through thinking any day he's going to get a letter saying that that you're dead that yeah they yeah. They, they burn Willie alive yeah <laughs> and then that stuff happened that that yeah you yeah. can't you can't do stuff like yeah. that yeah but I, I found out a couple of years ago i did an interview right and the guy was here for two or three days. I told that story, and when he left here, he went to our van house address. Mm-hmm. Right. Took pictures. And then he went to Mississippi and he looked up that family. Right. Well, the uh, the father had passed away. Sure. But his son was there, mm-hmm. and so he interviewed his son. And at the he's at the end of the interview, he he when he finished the interview thing, he sent him a copy of the interview and he sent me a copy and I had a birthday celebration and he the guy that interviewed me came to the party and when he walked in and he says hey Willie how are you? I says I'm fine hey man good to see you. He said that guy in Mississippi is really mad at you. I said why is he mad at me? That's when I realized he never, that, you, that the
0: father never told him? The anything. father never. He yeah. never. He never.
1: Not even his son. Not even his son. Yeah, because his son would have been the first person to come to, to after. Come you. after me. Right. And How old was been, his son? He was a year younger than me.
0: Year younger, but he still would have come after you.
1: Oh, he gave me. He gave me. He, he was. A, he was a pain in the butt. He was yeah. always when he was when he turned twelve years old. He made a special trip down to our house and he called Joe and me, and Lester. To his attention, he says, "I need to talk to you guys." He said, "Tomorrow is my birthday. I'm turning 12. It's about time you guys start saying. about time you guys start saying yes sir, no sir, and Mister to me." God and, Almighty! He's 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, 12 years and old. And he's already said, yeah. we we now we got to say Mister, That's yes horrible. sir, and no yeah. sir." Yeah. To him, I chased him, not all the way home. But I, I went <laughs> out. There that he took off running. Yeah. Him and me, we we never we were getting into it all the time. Yeah. Uh, one time he tried to sh- he shot me in my back with a ball and arrow, but it, it, it didn't penetrate. I had on a thick plaid shirt and yeah. and a thermal under shirt knee yeah. there and an overall c- oh, c- uh, overalls, but. It, He, I was taking the muse into the barn one time to feed them. And he came out and he says, Hey, help me find the baby kittens. The cat had some kittens in the hayloft. Every You love little baby kittens. They're sweet. They smell good and they're precious. Help me find the baby kittens. They're in the hayloft. Well, he had gone there prior to that and stashed his, Bow and arrow oh my goodness and so i'm excited to find these baby kittens so we get upstairs up in the hayloft, and i'm listening to see if i can hear the baby kittens and he says i think i heard him over there go look over there so when i went over there that's when he shot you he he takes his bow and arrow and and he shoots me ah it it uh it hit a nervous it Punctured a nerve or something because it, it made my legs go straight out like this, Jeez. and I fell felt flat on my back. I, I realized what it because when he when I jumped up, he was like he was still holding the the, the bowl, and I went after him. So yeah. he was trying to run out of the barn. But just before he, when he's going down a ladder like this, I was running after him, and I saw the pitchfork, and in stride, I just scooped up the pitchfork, and when he was like this, I just put the pitchfork in his throat. I says, I'm going to kill you. Boy. Wow. So he starts crying. All, oh, please don't kill me. Please I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please don't kill me.
0: Unbelievable. Please
1: don't kill me. After about 20 minutes, I released the pitchfork from me. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing yeah. his father didn't tell him. Yeah. Every white person for miles around would have came yeah to to, to kill a thirteen year old black boy. That's right. Tried to, try to yeah. hit a white man. That's so do
0: you yeah. remember a lot of things like that happening growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, kid,
0: you know, kids getting murdered and stuff there, like that. There was that.
1: a another family lived about a half mile from us. They killed. He had three sons and two daughters and a wife. And his, they killed everyone. They killed all oh three my of his sons. God. These people don't go to jail. They don't get arrested. Of course not. My dad mm. had bought me a, a an acoustic guitar, and I took the guitar out of the case and I slid the case underneath the edge of my bed. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a twelve gauge shotgun and a and a rifle, twenty two wow. rifle. Yeah. I put that under the edge of the bed and I filled the guitar case with ammo. Wow. The, I said, this is this is going to be a different yeah. <laughs> I said, the first Someone person, else is going to go. <laughs> when, the, when, when I yeah. hear the voice saying, come out of there. Right. I was just going to start shooting everybody I yeah. saw. Wow. Know, and I know his son would have been the first. He would have been the one saying, come out of there. Right.
0: Yeah. Come out of there. Exactly. You know, I, 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 he would have been the yeah. first person there. So after this incident happened, is that when your family moved? Well, we stayed there three
1: years after that.
0: Oh, it was three years after that you guys three stayed. Three years we stayed. Wow. Okay. That's why I was.
1: That's why I was prepared. I had for the some reason. For guy. some reason, I thought you guys left right after no, this incident. No, we, we stayed a three years after that. I did. Wow. It did the whole thing for three years. You must have been on pins and needles some of that time. Well, I it, you can imagine. When I went to bed at night, I made sure everything was <laughs> convenient. I, I didn't have to search, look for yeah, anything. Cause right. I was not just going to go down like that. Right. I was right. I was going to take out every yeah. person I could. I don't blame cause I know I know what they're going to do to me. Right. And yeah. um, it was going to be a different one. It was, it was not going to be just a funeral and a family right. that cries and right. it's, that's the end of it. No, yeah. it wasn't going to be like that. Yeah. Anyway.
0: So what ended up convincing your family to leave after three years? was it? What well, What exactly was the... Well,
1: my dad was sympathetic to what I was going through. Right. It was a three-year planning thing. But we couldn't rejoice. We couldn't tell our friends or relatives. It had to we be a secret. had to be totally secret. Yeah. Uh, three years after that, that's when we came to California. Right. And how yeah. did you guys, did you guys drive, or what did you do? We exactly? drove. Two, two dri- brother-in-laws came from here. That was here, uh, two of my older sister's husbands. Okay. They came in a station wagon. Uh-huh.
0: And got you to guys. Get
1: it, to it, to bring us out. Yeah. Of, to bring us out. Any, wow. Anyway, like I was saying, when I was four years old, I remember a situation that happened. My dad came home. He'd been into town. Mm-hmm. And he came home. He was winded. He was huffing and puffing. And I heard my mom says, oh, my God, Mr. Chambers, whatever is going on? What's wrong? And he says... There's going to be some angry white men here tonight. You can take the kids and go to your mom's if you want. Or you can stay if you want. She says, I'm staying. What is going on? What's wrong? He says, well, I was walking in town. And there was some men from white men walking and back. And mm-hmm. one of them said to the other one, I bet you're going to go up there and kick that nigger in his ass. And the guy says, well, hell, I will, too. So he tried it up there, and he kicked my dad. And my dad beat the living daylights out of him. Wow. Broke his arm, broke his ribs. Whoa. And put the guy in the hospital. Unbelievable. And he said to my mom, and they're going to be coming here tonight. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to get out of your seat. Yeah. And he says, "Uh, I can take care of this myself. And he says, I would have killed the son of a bitch if they hadn't dragged me off of him. Yeah. That was my dad's attitude. Yeah, he, he didn't So you know where you got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I learned from that. Yeah. I was I was only four years old when that yeah. happened when they yeah. came. it was it was terrifying. Well sure. It was terrifying. and like we all sitting there, you know waiting. Did they ever show up? Sure they did. And what and happened? Uh, we're sitting there listening and like a voice says George, come out of there. I says, I'm going to help my dad. I was four years old. I said, I can bite somebody. Have wow. leg. I can do Jeez, something. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, sit down, boy. So I stepped back down. But then he reached in the car and got his 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah. And he loaded it. And he put some more shells in his pocket. And he walked out. Mm-hmm. But by now, I'm in the window. And these guys were horses. They had torches ropes and all kinds of stuff. Unbelievable. And the first thing they said to my dad, now, George, put the gun down. And they had guns. Yeah. So my dad says, you got guns, put your guns down. He said, now, George, you know what you did. And he said, yeah, I know what I did, and I'll do it again. And I said, George, now put the gun down. We got some moonshine whiskey. We're going to go down here in the woods we're going to build a fire and we're going to talk this thing over. So my dad says I don't drink I don't drink moonshine whiskey and I'm not about to go down in any woods with you or anybody else. yeah whatever you got to say to me you say it here yeah Listen now George we don't want to hurt you So he says I'm not I'm not worried about you hurting me. And this is now, George. Put the gun down. We don't want to have to come up there and get you. So when they said that, he he cocked his shotgun, the gun. Yeah, right. and he said, "This gun is, this gun I bought it brand new. It is loaded and it has never failed to fire." <laughs> ever who's coming up here to get me? Come on, I will blow your head off! Wow. So, yeah, they started looking at me. You are gonna? Like, Hell no, I ain't going. To, you know. <laughs> so they they sat there for a moment, and they just turned and rolled off. A few years ago, thinking about all of this, and I realized. What what really actually went down and how powerful that was that mm-hmm. he defended himself yeah. in that manner that he did yeah. that
0: he was not going to back
1: down no uh, he yeah. would have died yeah he would he would, but he, he was, was d-
0: he'd rather go like that yeah. than the other mm-hmm. way hell yeah
1: so yeah. a few years ago I'm thinking about this sitting right here in this house I'm thinking about that and, and I realize. Because You got all the black leaders, you got Martin Luther King, you right. got Jesse Jackson, you right. got our Al Sharpton, and all these people, yeah, that are still saying, Allow us, let us, right? You give us our freedom. Mm-hmm. There ain't a man on this planet nowhere that can give you your freedom. And that and just think situations like that made me think about how my dad handled that. You, nobody's going to give it to you. Yeah, you you.
0: He had to stand his ground. You got to
1: stand your ground. Yeah. there's a, there's a time when yeah. you need to stand your ground. Yeah,
0: no matter what.
1: No matter what. Yeah, and like after after that situation with my dad, and when they came to lynch him, and he mm-hmm. he defended himself in that manner, and they just kind of turned and rolled off. Yeah,
0: because they're basically but cowards. but they protected
1: all that. us. Directly. yeah they protected us from yeah. that day on. Interesting. Joe Lester and me—we were just kids. Yeah. We like to go fishing. We like to go visit our relatives. Right. We like to go to right. church. We like yeah. to go. We like to go to the movies. We like to yeah. go to the town, and yeah. you, you walked wherever you wanted to go. But mm-hmm. my mom, she was, please, boys, don't go. Please, don't go. My dad says, I don't ever want to hear you tell my boys they can't go. They can go wherever they want, whenever wow. they want.
0: That's heavy duty, man. She was afraid that 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 was going to back, yeah, that something was going to happen, yeah.
1: And that's generally the case if you don't have a dad like right. our dad, right? Yeah, right. But anyway, that is a heavy story. Man. We would be coming home and stuff like that. Sometimes would be at night, yeah and then there's these guys they just ride they ride around ride around just looking just looking for, for something. Yeah. yeah and they do it all the time oh, yeah you know like this. This, it's a weekend pleasure for them right you know so yeah. they would run up. they would we would come across them uh, quite frequently yeah but every time the first thing they would say what are you little niggas doing out here we're going home what's your daddy's name and that made a difference, George Chambers. Boy, that's a trip, man. They would say, "Oh, that is such. You a trip. better get in this car and let us take you that home. That is before really somebody a trip. bad run up on you. That is heavy He's duty. Paying man. attention like, yeah, I'm, these are the guys that would castrate you. Or, yep. they're going to do something oh, terrible yeah. to you. Yeah, no doubt. These are the guys that are saying us, oh, you better get in this car and let us take you home." And that's exactly what they would do. You, you, it's well, amazing. No black person was ever allowed to ride in the front seat of a right. white man's car. Right. So um, we were just kids, but we would they would throw, make we'd get in the back seat of the car and this guy would like, I'll chauffeur <laughs> <laughs> Yes, So uh,
0: so what was it like on your way out? I'm just curious. So on your your drive from Mississippi to California, what was when that
1: When like? we when we the when we left Mississippi Two brother-in-laws drove down to Mississippi drove to get a to station get us. wagon. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. So when they came in, they had to pass the landowner's house. Mm-hmm. Well, the roads were gravel, and it, you could hear a car coming for a mile Miles, away yeah. because the gravel. Right makes a sound. Well, there is it was it wasn't frequently that a car came down the road. Right. So. If a car came down the road, you know it's somebody that's it's not you're not familiar with. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that often you hear a car coming down these little roads. Right. So he, uh, the land landowner here, is a car. He goes out and he looks. Well, they're passing his house. He reads the tag. and says California. Mm. He knew where it's going. Yeah. So they, uh, 20 minutes after they were there, the plan was they were going to sleep that night and we would leave early in the morning. Mm -hmm. But the the landowner came down to the house and he was like looking at the car and he said to my brother-in-law, this your car? Yeah. California, huh? Yes, sir. Well, I hope you didn't come down here thinking you're going to take my niggers out of here. Wow. Oh, oh no, we're just visiting. Yeah. Well, if if that's the case, enjoy your stay. <laughs> but if you think you're coming down here to take people out of here, you better get in that car right now and head back to California. Wow. Oh, no, oh, no, we're, we're just we're just visiting. So when he left, that changed the whole plan. Yeah, you were
0: basically out of there that we night. We were out of
1: there as fast as we right. could get out of there. You- well, we couldn't drive past his house. We, yeah. th- we pushed the car.
0: <laughs> literally, wow. Literally,
1: because we, wow. couldn't, we couldn't get his attention. Yeah. We didn't want him to. Because yeah. he would have came out and try sure. to stop us yeah. and that would have been that would have been that would have been a, a lynching. Thing. That would have been non pleasant they weren't about to not absolutely, stop. yeah. But well, my mom and dad stayed behind. That was a I didn't want to go because I didn't want to leave them. Now why did they do that? To to face the consequences. Really? And they and they had the uh, they had some things they wanted to sell off and so we're not going. So when did they go? They came a week later. A week later? A week or two later, they came. Uh-huh. It's about a three-day journey. I never slept the whole trip because I just, it just felt like any minute we were going to be stopped by yeah. these angry white men, and they was going to try to stop us. And what was it like
0: going across the country back
1: then? I was scared every minute because hmm. I had my... I had one baby sister, and two two younger brothers, and I felt like I was responsible for them right. all the time. You were the oldest, you know, I yeah. Take care of them, right? And I felt like something was going to happen. The whole would you guys? Through. Would you
0: guys stop? so your brother-in-laws could sleep where would what would they do about that they switched
1: uh, when one, one guy They'd was switch driving off. the other okay. guy was sleeping so no stopping no stopping yeah, just the incredible. gas just yeah. the gas in the bathroom put into this gas station in Mississippi to gas up and the, the guy the guy came out and he looked he says golly what kind of car is this I ain't never seen no car like this That was a George had bought a brand new Oldsmobile. Okay. It was a pretty attractive looking car. Yeah. And he looks at the car, and he jumps in the car and he takes off.
0: When you guys are standing there, we
1: were standing there. He jumped in the car and take off. Took off. Unbelievable. He didn't say, "Can I drive it?" Unbelievable. He just jumped in the car and he took off. Whoa. And we go, "Holy moly!" <laughs> So they got down the road. He goes on out of sight. But then a few minutes, he came by. I said, golly boy, this car sure drives good. Jeez. And then he pumped the gas in and we left. Unbelievable. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah.
0: No kidding, man. So when you got to California, what were your impressions of Los Angeles and California?
1: Well, it was night when we got here. Mm-hmm. We got to Los Angeles, it was night. It was three or four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Daylight came, I walked outside and I looked. I'd never seen such a disgusting place in my life. It was like building, 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 building. No trees. Yeah. yeah. No green grass. Mm-hmm.
0: What did you end up liking about Los Angeles? I hope you liked something eventually.
1: Well, I, I, I very quickly came to the conclusion that this is where it's going to be. This is right. where I'm going to be. I better yeah. start trying to figure out a Find way. to out, out how to enjoy. like it. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so but, a couple of days went by. I walked down to the corner. I looked back. Everything looked too similar. Everything right. looked alike.
0: Hard to know where you were.
1: No, yeah, yeah. So, I I started panicking. I said, "I better get back." So I walked back to the house. Next, later on that day, I walked back down to the corner again, mm-hmm. and I'm looking, and I'm looking. Went back, came out a third time, walked down to the corner, and this time. I made a left turn and walked halfway down that block. Mm-hmm. I got halfway down that block, I turned around to look, I didn't know where I was. Oh no. I said, oh my God. Yeah. But I, I pretty quickly uh, realized I only came one block. Yeah. Right. made one turn, I just right. went back to that corner and like that. So, whew, I'm gonna try that again. <laughs> it took me quite a while to adventure out, to, to, you know, yeah. Realize where you
0: were and how yeah. to get back. Yeah.
1: Reading the streets didn't didn't count, you know. Like, right. I know it says 17th Street. Where is that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> where is that in relation? But to after a mean? while, I was it was yeah. okay. Somebody decided, hey, we're,
0: we're in charge.
1: charge. We're in charge. Yeah. We we better take charge of this.
0: Well, I want to get back to. uh, I had a musical question for you because this is pretty heavy stuff we're getting into. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. But uh, one of the questions I had when you and your brother started singing as kids, how did you develop your
1: harmonies? It was just everybody sang good, everybody sang well. But I mean, how did you discover? You know, voice range, everybody had, everybody's voice had a different range, and uh-huh. like, baritone, you know, people had a heavier voice range, they sang barotone, right. bass, yeah. and people with a higher pitch, they sang the soprano. But and, you
0: could find the, you could oh, find yeah, the it harmonies. Was just, it was just Just a natural thing. Yeah. Everybody
1: yeah. knew where their parts belonged. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay it was a it was, it was not a hard it was not a hard uh, decision to make and the it,
0: the other thing to me that's interesting is just you know that brothers like a family there's a thing about the way families can sing because they've been singing for so long together they know each other so well and there's that almost organic you know thing of of how to vocally
1: it's amazing like yeah it, it really it doesn't take words you don't have to. Use just a, a quick glance, and and everybody gets. The Everyone distance, knows yeah. where they're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. just yeah. a quick glance, and everybody. Oh, okay, okay.
0: So now you you moved out to Los Angeles, obviously. <laughs> Fifty-four. Okay, so I wanted to ask you when once you made it to Los Angeles, you're here with with Willie and I mean with Lester and Joe, right? George. And George, okay. Major. That was the Douglas. four of you.
1: That was uh, five brothers here at the time.
0: Right. But it was four of you singing or George, five?
1: George, Major, Douglas, me, that's Six brothers.
0: But how many were singing in the group?
1: Yeah, four. Four George, of George, Lester, and myself.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. And so did you guys
1: right away start singing in churches around here? Well, when we first got here... There was a gentleman that we got introduced to. You guys ought to come to my church. We joined that church and I'm still a member of that wow. church. Wow. Back in the country and working in the fields every day, we all we always said to mom and dad that someday we're gonna buy you guys a house. And they would lie, I'd say, Yeah, <laughs> that'll be the day. Right. We really miss it. You
0: guys did it we too, I would it. think. Yeah. yeah I we're bet you're sitting you did.
1: in that house right now. Oh really? Okay. Right now we are sitting this is in the house. That very house. That's amazing. So when we signed with Columbia Records. Yeah. That's when you bought this. That's when we bought this. We, wow. we got money.
0: We have a mutual friend Carol Perry that uh that that I know had a, was instrumental in kind of helping you guys. Carol Perry. Yeah. You know,
1: Carol Perry worked that a little Hamburger place right across the street from the the university, the college over on Vermont. Mm -hmm. Carol, we would go hang there because like we didn't have money. Yeah. We were trying to be a group.
0: And he would give you free burgers or something? We would
1: hang around there and buy it. You know, after a while, everybody got a burger. And then
0: eventually, he ended up at the Ashgrove.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he uh, had
0: something to do with you guys playing there, I assume. He told me he was kind of the peacemaker between the musicians <laughs> and Ed <laughs> Pearl. <laughs> that was the way he put it. I don't know. Well, that's what he claimed. He claimed that uh, like guys like Lightning or Big Joe would come in. And we were just kind
1: of sad when he left the hamburger joint. Right, I bet you were. <laughs> well, I hope he fed you at the Ash Grove too. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Lightning Hopkins was there, and uh, there was a, a a record producer by the name of Bumps Blackwell. Oh yeah, right, right, right. I had be I had become yeah. acquainted with him. Right. And this was before uh, my brothers learned how to, to play instruments. Right. You know, we we're still waiting for them to learn to play. But you were playing
0: guitar by then,
1: right? I started playing the guitar when I was four years old. Right. I never had to learn. I could, the very first time I had a guitar, I could play the thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what you do. I don't know to this day why or uh, what would make me even think she would. Let me play that guitar, Mm -hmm. but the words came out of my mouth. Grandma, let me play the guitar. Mm -hmm. She stopped and she looked at me like you're gonna be out of your mind. And then (coughs) she's thinking, I've got to keep them out of my hair. She went over. She opened the trunk, took it out, and she says, "Sit down." She made me sit down in the middle of the floor, and she put the guitar across my lap. And she says you better not get up with it either because I would bang it up, you know? Right, right. You better not get up with it. And she started to walk away and I started playing this blue song. Baby, please don't go back huh. to do all yeah. I love you so, baby, please. She turned around. she says, oh my God, you can play the guitar. I, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. That's crazy, I yeah. that's what that's you crazy. my brother, Major, who she had bought the guitar for, lived with her and Grandpa. That's, that's you know, an amazing thing? What's that? Look at that. Yeah? My grandpa is a white man. Wow. That's my grandpa and my grandma. That's amazing. When he was a baby, her mother, Grandma Judy, uh-huh. she was a nanny. She took care of all the, uh, all the babies, no. white babies, black right. babies, all right. the babies. She was a nanny. And she took care of him when he was a baby. Hmm. Well, she was a baby at the same time. Incredible. And when he became of age, he said to his family, he says, I want to get married. Well, naturally, everybody said, hey, great. And he says, I want to marry Purdy. And his family says, you can't marry Purdy. He says, but I love Purdy. You you can't marry Purdy. She's a black girl. He and says, how old was he? Maybe 20, 19, 20, mm-hmm. 20, years, 21 years old, something. But they were babies together. Yeah. Yeah, they grew up together. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I love Purdy. I want to marry Purdy. You can't marry Purdy. She's a black girl. I don't care. I love her. I want to marry her. So... They argued back and forth with that, and uh, he convinced them that he wants to marry her. Yeah. So they kicked him out of the family, gave him eighty wow. gave, gave him eighty acres of land, and kicked him out. Unbelievable. So, so uh, in Mississippi, there's an eighty acre farm that belongs to the family. Yeah. So it belonged to him.
0: <clears throat> That's amazing.
1: Grandpa Jake, he was great, man. He was he was a great. And it, it never, all all I ever knew, he had long, straight hair, hmm. and he looked white. But yeah. it was never, it was never, never like something was, that it was, was brought up. like yeah. he was a white man. Right, never brought so up. you can see very well that he yeah. is.
0: So in the early 60s, you guys were, were basically struggling singing gospel music.
1: Yeah, we were we were determined to be a gospel group, and that's how uh, that's how uh, that's when we met. We met we met Carol Perry. Right. And Carol, we then we we uh, and you went to the Ash
0: Grove and saw Lightman. Mary. Oh, I know who it was. Long Gone Miles was a
1: connection. Long Gone Miles. He was a connection yes, to Lightman. Yeah. There was a uh, there was a record producer by uh, by the name of Bumps Blackwell. Right, he knew about me and he came looking for me because he was doing a lot of blues sessions and stuff. He mm-hmm. wanted me to play guitar, mm-hmm. so I became his studio musician, Bumps Blackwell. So did he have you back in um, Long Gone? Uh, he I was with bumps before I knew long Gun. right bo introduced me to right long he introduced bumps. you to to Because he was doing the blues thing and uh right he called me one day and he says uh, would, asked would ask me if I would be interested in being a guitar player for this blues singer from Texas mm-hmm. so i said yeah i will i will i'll be delighted so he gave me his address and told me to go get introduced and meet him and stuff so I drove to I went to his house and met him mm-hmm. and he was I thought he was so ugly <laughs> <laughs> Long gone Long gone because he, now Carol
0: was real tight with Long gone wasn't he well
1: yeah yeah, yeah Carol was because of Lightning because of Lightning he yeah. was very tight
0: with so, Long gone
1: and Bob Bombs yeah. Lightning was in town and my brother Joe he was a uh, Relaxing black guy's hair. You know, the oh, that's right. You
0: told me about the this. Yes. you can
1: put in there. Like a, a conk. Take the kinks out. Yeah. Do a conk. Conk Yeah. In, that, right. in the hair. Right. And he had did, my brother had did Longong's hair. Well, Lightning saw Longone's hair and, and wanted. said, I want that. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted that and did his hair, too. And God drove him down here, who happens to be Ed Pearl, drove oh, Lightning okay. down to this house. All right. To pick Joe up to go to the uh, beauty supply store to get the chemicals that he would need right. to con Lightning's hair. Right. Well, in the car, my Lightning and Joe is talking and Joe has said to Lightning, me and my brothers have a group. So, Ed Pearl is listening. Yeah. And he said to my brother, what kind of group do you have? Okay. So, Joe says, we have a gospel group. Sorry, Ed Pearl yeah. says, what's that? He says, Songs you sang at church, right? The religious songs. This is why don't you guys come in audition? Maybe, right. maybe you can get hired. Right. So we went and audition at Ash Grove. Mm-hmm. Man, people had never experienced anything like that. Yeah. I saw men taking their coats and, right. and just letting right? Wow. Them go flying across yeah. the room. Too much. I want a person sitting in their seat. Yeah. Tables were knocked over. Every drink was spilled to the floor. Right. The waitresses was pinned against the wall like this, and everybody was like, "What the heck's going on here?" So after the end of the audition, uh, Ed Pearl says, "I can't hire you guys. (laughs) I can't sell
0: any drinks. I can't sell any
1: (laughs) drinks when you're on stage, and my my waitresses are pinned to the wall. They can't move. Right. And look at my place. It's a mess. Yeah. It was. They want a dry spot. (laughs) Right." Because all the drinks were right. yeah the He says, I can't sell drinks when you guys are on stage. I, yeah. I can't hire you. So I said, uh, well, don't they buy another drink? <laughs> and he says, well, yeah, they do. And he, <laughs> and he suggested we come back a week or so later and right. audition again. So we went and auditioned again. And this time he took us on for three weeks. Wow. There was no written contracts. And it was just a a verbal. We went from here to New York on verbal agreements. Wow. That's what it was back in those days. You Mm -hmm. you didn't sign any papers or anything. Right. It was a verbal agreement. Right. And so we went to the Ash Grove for three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's where we met Barbara Dane. Okay. Barbara Dane came. Right. Lightning. Brahmin Jack, Elliot. Right. Barbara Dane. I'd never heard a, a white lady singing blues like that. It was quite amazing. But at the the end of the three weeks, Barbara came and said, uh, when Lightning was on stage, uh, so we all hanging out in the dressing room area, Barbara Dane, she says, I'm going to the East Coast. And would you guys go if I took you with me? Mm-hmm. We were excited, we'd never been anywhere but Mississippi and here, you know, right? Right. <laughs> right, sure, yeah, New York. Oh my god, yeah. yes, and east coast, yeah, we'll go, yeah. But then we got thinking about it, says we can't go, we ain't got no money. How are we gonna go? So we, we yeah. says, We can't go, says. Well, why not? We don't have any money. How are we going to, we can't, don't worry about that. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to house you. I'm going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? And just that quick, she started telling us how we were going to do it.
0: So she basically paid your way.
1: Yeah, she took us. She sponsored the whole, Right. she arranged the whole thing. She says, I think if people got a chance to see you guys, you, you would make it. She mm-hmm. said, I want you guys to make it. Said, well, um, what, a fun, and what we're going to do now is like, you guys will just be in the audience. She had it all planned out. So really? Says, I'm going to get up, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do two or three songs. And then we'll say, hey, I got some friends out there in the audience. I'm going to ask them to come up and do some background. Ah. And, and then you guys come up and, and we'll do a couple songs together. Right. You guys can sing background. Right. And I'm gonna get out of the way and then you guys can just do your thing. Yeah. She said I just I just she said. I just want people to get a chance to experience and see you and hear you. Yeah. And that was her motive. She wanted us So she to, basically was, was sponsoring us. Yes, like
0: she said, she, yeah. she, yeah. she
1: wanted us to to go somewhere, get out there yeah. and get people to hear us and see right. us. She she knew that she says, "I just, I
0: know you guys will make." You guys are on one of the album covers. Has her
1: on it, and you guys. On yeah, that. we was we were back singing background with her.
0: Okay, so that's on one of her recordings. Mm-hmm.
1: She okay. she did everything imaginable that, to get us exposed. To get you get exposed, exposure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. God bless her. And obviously,
0: she got you on Newport, which was huge.
1: I think she set up that whole kind of thing. Got yeah. Us, uh, Invited to Newport, mm-hmm. we were a gospel group. We were just doing workshops. We got uh, we got asked to do a main stage. Right, and we got on that main stage. The whole ocean of just yeah. people that wanted to rejoice and celebrate. Yeah. And we got on that stage, and uh, Mr. Reeves had already said, "Don't do the time has come to end." Really, that's not folk music. Really. It's not reason, so I, I, I So,
0: you did that. that and you didn't even have a drummer at that point.
1: No, yeah. yeah, wow. We used uh Sam Lake. yeah, okay. We asked him to sit in, right? What's, what's, what's the leader that Paul Butterfield? Paul Butterfield, oh, he was okay. a pole. he didn't want. He said, no. Okay, so that Neither would have been you. 60,
0: 66, I think, or yeah, 65. Uh, no,
1: you my drummer, and my drama. and you're not going to play for anybody else. Yeah, that
0: must have been 65 or 66. So Sam
1: Lace said, shit, I, I'm going I'm, to I'm 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 play for you guys. I, I don't care really so. Right, <laughs> he was pretty I'm independent. Gonna, I'm yeah. play with you guys. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We got on that stage, and we looked out there with so many people. And we, like I said, quick glance at each other. Yeah, we gotta do it. So you did it. We did. Time has come today. It disrupted every workshop. Yeah. People, wow. People come running. Right well, when you're sitting there listening to "Michael Roll the bonus Show," that's a great song. But yeah, when you hear that kind of stuff for two days,
0: yeah, there's only and, so much of it. People, yeah,
1: and are you gonna hear take... something like "Time has come today." Right. Is definitely gone. But
0: you guys did like blues and stuff at that point too. When we went to the
1: Grove we were straight out gospel.
0: Well, but you were doing some blues on there, though. Yeah,
1: because uh, we had been doing the gospel in some other places. And Mahalia Jackson, she was opposed to that because she refused to do gospel anywhere. It had to be a church or a religious setting. Right. She she wanted everybody to to know that she was a hardcore Christian. Right. She refused to do it. Mm-hmm. And then now we're doing it. And when we went to the Ash we were doing gospel. Strictly gospel. Yeah. I got a bank from the law at this time, Mahalia Jackson. There was a, there was a talk show.
0: She called you out? early. Talk,
1: early talk show. Uh, right. Uh, Paul Coates Talk mm-hmm. Show. It was one of the first talk shows. Mm-hmm. She went on that show and she said, We were terrible people. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Wow. We were blaspheming. Yeah, um, she just really put it down because there she, were
0: a lot of people that got that.
1: Was, I mean, I a, mean, that happened to our church was like that. Well, too. I was going to say
0: that happened to uh, um, Rosetta Thark. Yeah, she was kind of ostracized.
1: Yeah, the church, in, the, in the church, our church, Greater Mount Zion. our right. church, the pastor, the deacons, uh, everybody said they didn't think it was a good idea. Okay, but well, they didn't say it in words. But they, they the church needed a PA system, yeah. and we were making money now, and we offered to put a PA system, and then they said they couldn't accept funds from us because of the way we make our money. Wow! Later years, when everybody had a better understanding about right. life and right. God and religion and everything else, they apologized and said that they were wrong, and they apologized anyway. So, when did you add blues into your program? I mean, after Mahalia Jackson. Oh, right after that, when she went on okay. the Paul show and she said it was terrible stuff. That's when you started adding blue, and then she went to the Los Angeles Times. She did a whole Jeez, spread on yeah. that and said we were, uh, you know, how. She thought about it. And she was considered to be the queen of god Oh, I know she was. Yeah, and everybody listened. Yeah. Everybody paid attention Absolutely. to her. Her what she said. What she right. was say. Mm-hmm. So, like club owners says, we can't hire you anymore. Wow. Gospel? can you mix it up? It was it was the Ash Crow was the first place we started mixing it up. Right. Because Ed Pearl, he was the one that said to us. This is, I want you guys in my place, but you, you draw a crowd, man. We were selling out three three shows a night. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's, you know, like, all of a sudden we can't do that anymore because we are a gospel group. Hmm. And Ed says, I want you guys, but I can't hire you anymore. as a straight out gospel group. Can you mix it up? Oh, some, okay. So that was the blues? reason. Can you yeah. do some blues? Can you do some jazz, whatever? Right rock and roll, mix, just mix it up, but I can't hire you as a straight out gospel group anymore. Right. And then you, the union stepped in and said every every member has to be paid scale or, or above. Mm-hmm. And like some gospel groups had as many as 10, 10 members. Club owners didn't want to pay that kind of money for, right. a, for, for a gospel group. Yeah. So now we can't get hired as a gospel group. So now like for a long time, man, we were eating. We had a now we had a two-story band house with a basement where we had a rehearsal studio in the basement. We could play music all night, all day. And, mm-hmm. and now, your
0: first record, the one from the Astro, do you remember the label that was on?
1: Bank appco Really? Okay, I'm not sure. That was a hard decision for us to make because we were we were born to be gospel. Right and we did So it was you, a big deal for you guys it, to yeah, to a, let go of that. it was a that. major yeah. deal. Yeah. I'm sure. So yeah. we 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 starved for a period of time. We ate peanuts and drank sodas. Remember, you were telling me that. Yeah. There yeah. was a 25% 25 yeah. cent deposit on each bottle. Right. And we drank that all week and then we would collect on at the weekend go to Johnny Pastrami and get two big pastramas and with split all split meat split yeah. them up and we had a feast. Anyway, wow. we couldn't yeah. get a job. And Ed Pearl was suggesting to us we'd mix it up, mix it up right. so we could get work. So so, so that to, that was
0: a success doing
1: that. We had to decide to do that. Yeah. And George, our brother George, our older brother George, he didn't want to he says no I won't. We didn't want to do it either, but we decided maybe if we do this We'll get famous, and we can come, we can come back and do our gospel. George right. said no. So when, when Joe and Lester and me went to George and says, uh, we, we, you know, we were just thinking, George, if we do this, we can do we can come back and do our gospel." He says no. So Joe and Lester and me threatened him. We made him so we will kick your butt if you don't, <laughs> if you don't do this. He didn't want to do it. But we said, if you don't do this, man, we're going to kick your butt. That's funny. So he, he did it. <laughs> so he did it. But he didn't want to. He so your so, father struck again. <laughs> he was so angry. We would be on stage and he'd be way over there by himself. With Embarrassed, his... yeah. But when he got angry, he took it right. out on his bass. Oh, man. Just made him play the bass much better. That's funny. But we, uh, we went on to do the... Uh, the gospel and mixing it up and going we to Newport. We did Time Has Come Today. Mr. Wings came out and says, I don't know if you know that or not, but that was not folk music. And, and he said, You guys will never play the Newport Folk Festival. But then he had you again. Popular demand. Three times, we did it three times. Three. Nobody ever did it three times back to back. Really? You, so you, you did, did like you did it this year, 65, 60, you 66, do it. 67, you didn't do it yeah. next year.
0: Right, but you did but it three did it times three. in a row. Three times wow. in
1: a row. We were friends with Bob Dylan before he ever went on stage. He used to come to our band house. Uh-huh. Ron Statt and her group, they used to they practically lived at our house all yeah. the time. Yeah. Bob Dylan was one of the persons that hung out at our house. Right. And when he was recording Highway 66. Highway 61, yeah. Highway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He invited us. He wanted us to come and do some background vocals on some of his cuts. Mm -hmm. And we were in the studio there with him for that. And he says, at the end of the session, we're going to go to a disco. Disco, what's that? So he explains us what a discotheque was. So we went, and they had food there, and great food. This was
0: in Los it, Angeles?
1: No, it was in New York. New York, okay. So right. it was upscale kind of, it was one of the first discotheques in the, in the, right. in the, in the state. Do you remember the name states. of it? Undines. Huh, okay. Undine. Hmm. And we were there, we, after the session, we went over there. And we were sitting there. We ordered up some food. And we were sitting there eating our food. And people were dancing. And it was great. It was a place, place was full of great, high-energy people. And everybody just right. going on, having a great right. time. So the guy comes out and says, uh, we have a guest group from, uh, all the way from Los Angeles, California. And they're going to come up later and do the set. They're going to do some numbers. We had no idea he was talking about us. Uh we didn't even have a drummer. And like we're sitting there and after a while, some the guy comes back out again and says, ladies and gentlemen, the, the group, the guest group we promised you, they're coming on stage right now, the Chambers brothers. And we go, holy, what are we how are we gonna do this? So I said to my brothers, I says, what are we gonna do? We, we're not this people want to dance we're not a, we're just a folk act we don't we, we right we don't do dance music so i said to my brothers what if we just do the same songs we do we pick the temp set it at a dance tempo right and we'll see if that drummer brian was playing with the the house the band that was playing there
0: so this is the drummer that played with you on
1: the whole the, time. The album, The yeah. whole time. Right. Brian Grumman, was so playing with a right. band called The Losers, and they, oh, were, they okay. were playing at Undines. Uh-huh. So I said, we'll do the same songs, we'll speed them up, and we'll ask that drummer if he sit in with us and make it a dance thing. So we asked him if he would sit in, he said, sure. So we did the same songs and just speeded them up, like right. when we were doing the first song. I mean, not more than not less than four bars into the first song. There was something about his drum You guys knew it worked. We just kinda had that yeah. quick glance at each right. other and said, This is this, this is, is the guy, yeah. yeah. So at the end of the night we had we had already been invited to sign with Columbia Records. Wow. And uh we said we approached him and said, so we, we we're signing with Columbia Records and would you be interested in being your brother and being our drummer? He said, Sure. But wow. So we said, Well, when we signed with, we'll send you an airline ticket. And you come to California. We have a band house. You have your own room. You have, wow. You don't know, have to pay no rent. You we just, we just be our drummer. He said, Sure. But you know, when we were, before we signed with Columbia Records, right? they offered us a contract of 400
0: Oh, you told me about this. Yeah, $2, yeah, dollars
1: a week. Car right, and Road. right. We went to every major, Warner Brothers, Capitol Records, you name it. Yeah. Chelsea, every record label, that's that's the country. Even Motown. That's when I realized Barry Gordy don't own Motown records. Hmm. Why would why would Motown be offering us a contract that says four hundred fifty dollars a week, car, and wardrobe? That's the same contract that every major label in the world. And you said that had
0: something to do with being a black group.
1: That's what they. That's at Capital Records was the last one we went to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They invited us to come there to sign with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We went there. And there was some little short guy sitting at his desk with his feet up on the thing like this with a cigar lit, a yeah. half burned down cigar right. lit hanging in his lip. Right. And he said, The contracts are over there, sign them. we over, picked them up. $550 a week, card wardrobes. I says, We're not signing this. And he says, Sign the sign the damn contracts I ain't got all day. I says, we're not signing this. He says, sign the contract. That's what that's that's the contract that all the black artists are signing. And I says, we're not signing this. I said, we don't give a f if we never make a record. We ain't signing this. Yeah. What about royalties and residuals and all of that? And he's raised up and he says, what do you know about that? <laughs> I says, I, at that time, I was, I was a spokesman. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Obviously, you were time. hip to that. <laughs> yeah, I was hip to that because of Bumps Blackwell. Right, right, long, right. Long exactly. exactly. Studio. Exactly. I learned what all of yeah, that Yeah, Bumps meant. Blackwell would have known yeah. all that. Yeah. I learned what, when there's a song title and the name underneath, I learned what that meant.
0: Publishing.
1: I learned about publishing. I learned about royalties, mechanicals, yeah. and all of that right. good wow. stuff. And I said, "What about that?" He says, "Well, you know about that." I says, "Enough! That we ain't signing this." <laughs> you know, I says, "We don't care if we never make oh, a record. man. We ain't signing yeah. this." Yeah, your dad and taught it. you well. I gotta say, <laughs> and we, walk, we walked out of there. Mm-hmm. Capital Records was the last one in Hollywood. That's right for Four hundred dollars a week, car wardrobe. That was that's what you saw. You'd be surprised how many oh, I no, black I artists white artists. I wouldn't be that. surprised at all. They got shiny. They got they got sent to a tailor who made them a, a bunch right. of bright colored suits and right. went to the used car lot and bought them a red Cadillac and mm-hmm. a used one, and that was it.
0: Yeah. Well, they figure they're going to see their name in lights. And that's
1: all it we is. We were the same way, kind of, uh, yeah. uh, 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 about, you know, if we didn't, if I hadn't known what that all meant, right. We would have been in this, we would have signed the same, and same We would have been delighted same to yep. sign that contract because yep. all we would, all you were thinking about is making a record, making records, getting your music played on the radio. Right, and exactly. That's what that That's was what insane. most musicians kind but of, the people go for, didn't yeah. know about royalties and all of that kind. When Barbara Dane took us to New York, we ended up in Austin. We right. ended up all over the place. Right. We we like practically never got back home. Right. When we would leave L.A., Alice Cooper and his group. And long gone miles live would live in our house to we right. got back. Right. Was Cooper and his band, they didn't have a house or an wow. apartment. What a trip. And it was a hippie thing back in those days. Right. You didn't really need wherever you were, that's where you crashed. Right, right. You know, if oh, we, yeah. there was thirty people here in this sure. house. You yeah. sleep on the couch or on the floor, right. or wherever, you know, that Yeah. Wow. And how long of tours would you guys usually do? Back in well, the, well, the last time we went out, we went to the East Coast. We went to New York to play a place called uh, the Downtown Upscale Supper mm-hmm. Club. Mm-hmm. That told us we couldn't invite our black friends because they weren't allowed in the place. Yeah, we worked there. We went there to be there for three weeks. Within the first week, we had we did four shows a night. A night we had four sellout shows a night. I went to the manager. They took us in the basement. So mm-hmm. this is your dressing room area
0: mm-hmm.
1: where all the steam pipes are running across the ceiling yeah. and water dripping on the floor. When yeah. you're not on stage, right. this is where you will be. Yeah. You will not mingle with my clientele. You will not accept drinks. You will not Jeez. dance with the ladies. Yeah. When you're not on stage, this is where you'll be. Yeah. So we said... Oh, man, you can't inv- invite your black friends. They're not allowed in here. Yeah. So, oh, man, is this, this stuff still going on, man, yeah. in New York? You know, so we took the job. It was just a verbal agreement. And within the first week, we were selling out four shows a night. I mean, when we were doing our first set, the next, the next house is waiting outside. Right. So I went to the manager, I said, I need to talk to you. He says, yeah, what's up? I says, "Uh, we want that booth and that booth for our guests. He says, you out of your mind? Those are my best tables. I says, yeah, that's why we're going to have them for our guests. (laughs) I said, you see that crowd out there? Yeah, Yeah. They're when they're making
0: here. money, you can get away with that. They're, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah.
1: not here because you have two best booths. That's right. They're not here because of your place. Mm-hmm. They are here because we are here. Yeah. And Amen. Wherever we are, that's where those people are going to be. Yep. Yeah. So we'll just walk right out of here. You know, we're not going to play to your rules. So, You're what did he here. say? Okay, 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 okay. You can have those two booths before. Right. I says, Oh, and by the way, we will invite our black friends if we so decide to. Yeah. Good for so you. So we integrated the place. Yeah, that's amazing. There was this young actor we met in Central Park. He was the first black person to ever go in there. But at that point, when we went to New York for that stamp, we never got back.
0: Yeah, you're we just never, gone all the time. We
1: never got back, man. Yeah. We were one burger, one gig after another. Well, we ended up in Boston. We ended up all over the place, Philadelphia. Now,
0: were you guys traveling by car or yeah. would you fly in or we, how did that
1: work? We didn't fly. We you drove? We drove.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you'd basically work your way across and work your I, way I back? I told
1: my brothers, I ain't flying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people that felt I'm that we're not way. gonna fly. Yeah. So we stayed on the ground the whole time. Right. But the next thing I knew we were flying every day. <laughs>
0: yeah. But you did you did work work across pretty much when you were traveling? I mean you would work across the country, like dry, driving the to the the state state, yeah, drive. Drive into each state playing gigs. Yeah. yeah, we
1: would drive. Then the next all of a sudden, man, uh we were, the next thing I knew we were flying every day, sometimes right. twice a day.
0: You had yeah. people that wanted you in such and such cities. Did you guys travel a lot? Did you go to Europe much?
1: We ended up going to Europe, European tour. Uh-huh. We went to Japan. That's when Woodstock was happening. We got invited to play Woodstock. We didn't want no part of Woodstock. Interesting. We did not. We hated the thought of Woodstock because it was too fabricated. It was too. Yeah out of proportion. Well, you
0: guys did Summer of Soul, which was uh, the, the, the 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 concerts in Harlem that the guy put on.
1: And you yeah, guys we in were in that we film. Were, we was friends with him. We had met him in New York and all he talked about was doing a festival. Right. And everybody, nobody was saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Everybody was trying to discourage himself. Man, right. you can't do that this Woodstock just was a week or so ago. You, right. You can't do a festival. He says, I'm going to do a festival in the middle of Harlem. It's going to be free to the people and everybody's going to be there. You know? And he did. And he did. Yeah. So we, being kind of friends with him, we we went ahead and we did it. And, did. and so did everybody else showed up. Yeah. I think Aretha Franklin didn't show up because she was well, a baby. Well, B.B. King lady. did it. Yeah. Sly Stone did it. Um, Three Mah- Dimensions. Yeah, Fifth Dimension.
0: But- Mahalia Jackson. Mavis, uh, the staple Singers. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, all kinds of people. Everybody. Quest Love. Yep. Basically opened everyone's eyes to it. I, I I had never seen you guys back in the day. And I, I bought the album Live at the Astro I mean, I want to say forty years ago, mm-hmm. I had that album, and um, and and Carol used to talk about you guys all the time, and uh, it wasn't until I saw you with Barbara Dane, you and Joe singing backup for her, that I realized what it, how great you guys were, you know, or are I should say how great you guys are thanks when you to, sing together. Thanks to
1: Barbara Dane, Carol yeah. Perry, yeah, David Rubinson. Right. He had followed us around for Rubinson, David, yeah, he had followed us around to all of our live gigs and everything. Oh, okay. And and his biggest dream was to someday record the time has come today, and he did. Yeah, yeah. uh, He got fired for doing it. Did he? Yes, he did. He lost his job. He was a staff producer, one of the producers at Columbia Records. And why did he get fired for that? Because uh, when we signed, we see after we they offered us that terrible contract, right. We said no, and then they upped it. And, uh, and when we went to Capital Records, we just decided we were never going to make a record because right. we weren't going to sign that kind of agreement. So did he come uh, back? We got to a you guys? call from Columbia Records. They invited us to come back in again and discuss a signing. Okay. So we went in, and they said, "Just what do you guys want?" So well, we we don't want this. We we won't sign that. We want, right. We want whatever what you. What you give everybody else? What you mm-hmm. give a you know you don't offer white bands right that kind of agreement? Yeah. You give them front money right. That's what we want too. We want. Right. We want. Same thing. We, yeah. we will. Not, we won't have it any other way. Right. If you can't do that for us, you're wasting our time. like right. Just what do you want? What do you want? So we we said we want from money. Right. So, so you settled
0: us, on on something. They and
1: gave us a bunch of money, residuals and all. that. Right. They gave us a bunch of money, and that's when we bought this house for my mom and dad. Right. And. Clive, there was a there was a party. A welcome to the party, party. Welcome to the co- the label party. Mm-hmm. Clive Davis was there, and we carried on for three or four hours. It was a food orgy, food everywhere, <laughs> and stuff and drank. And uh, he got treated with yeah, some loyalty, respect. Yeah, yeah, with respect. He got and, treated with, with respect. And uh, Mister Davis said, uh, "Well, I must be leaving. I have." other appointments I have to take care of. Right. And he says welcome to the label and he, he was walking out the door and then he leaned back in the door and he says oh by the way that song The Time Has Come Today that you guys do we would say yeah yeah. He says we won't be recording that we don't do that kind of shit on this label. Really? And he was gone. Whoa.
0: David Rubinson. So he basically stuck his neck out for you guys and then
1: Wow. Got the axe and when he when he said that that just broke David's heart because he oh, that god. was his big dream was to someday to record, record that, that song. song wow and like tears was rolling down his oh face my god and he says oh my god he's not gonna allow us to record that record oh sh- what am I gonna do so everybody went the says well we may as well we knew we had we knew we had something in that song we Mm. knew we knew because we had experienced that we had seen the reaction the excitement yeah we'd seen it yeah and we knew we had something going on with the time that's come today Mm -hmm. but now he tells us we can't record it because we don't do that kind of shit on this label i'm still trying to figure out to this day why did columbia records sign the chambers exactly why Yeah. yeah what was the reason what was the reason yeah they didn't. They didn't do gospel. They didn't do. They they were country and western mostly. The closest thing they had to rock and roll was Paul Revere and the Raiders. And why, you know, just thinking a few few years ago, why did Columbia to sign us? Yeah. What was the purpose? And then he tells us we can't record time. Well, you know, after when he said that, he why he left. Yeah. David Rubinson was literally, he was crying. A couple of days went by and David Rubinson called us. He says, I don't care what he says. We're going to record that song. Mm-hmm. He said, we am probably going to lose my job. And he did. He says, what are we going to do when we get our recording date? You guys show up about 45 minutes to an hour early. We're going to hook up the amps, plug the amps in. We're going to record it live. And he says... Whatever we get, that's what we're going to have to live with. He says, we can't overdub, we can't splice, we can't right. fix nothing. Whatever we get, he says, we can't even listen back. He says, whatever we get, that's what we're going to have to live with. But oh, wow. we're going to record that song. Yeah. So that's what we did when we got out of recording date. We went in early. Plugged the amps up. We recorded it live. At the it's all done in one take. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we were playing it. David Rubinson was putting the effects on at the same time. Right. And when we finished it, shut the machines down. We didn't. Eat, we didn't. Eat, when we heard it again, it was on the album.
0: Well, let me ask you this: Who came up with the idea of the clock in it? Me. Was that your idea?
1: Joe had, Joe, I was I was sitting in our band house. I was downstairs in the dining room. Right. On an acoustic guitar. i was just sitting there playing. And all of a sudden, that chain that came to me from somewhere. It just came. And I was just sitting there playing that over and over and over and over and over. And I liked it. Joe was upstairs writing lyrics to the time has come today. Huh. He heard me down there playing. That. Right. And he walked to the top of the stairway and he says, What's that you're playing down there? I says, I don't know, man. It just came to me. I says, I don't have any words for it or anything. I was just, I, I don't, I don't, I just came to me and I'm just playing it. Mm-hmm. He says, Well, I was upstairs in my room writing and what, I, what I'm writing go to perfect <laughs> it seemed like that's the yeah. that music fits very, fits well with what I'm writing that's
0: amazing
1: I said well bring it down and see what you got so we, he brought it down the we studio. Yeah. he just had about a two and a half minute song yeah and uh and we went down in the studio and sure enough the the lyrics that he was writing was fit like, perfectly it was like yeah. a wedding yeah they yeah. It was perfect together. Yeah, and so we recorded. Uh, we did a forty-five, about a two and a half minute song. That, right, and that was it. And one one evening, I was sitting in my room, and that's when psychedelic music was trying to be. Right, right. I Starting hadn't heard now. any psychedelic music that made any sense. It yeah, it was like somebody threw a bunch of pots and pans up, and, <laughs> and whatever <laughs> landed, that was the sound, and it had no rhythm, it had no right, it had no meaning. Right. So I was sitting in my room one evening, and I was just thinking about that. And it came to me. I heard the whole thing. I felt it. Huh. That whole 11 minute that right. we stay on the A just right. You know, and stay the right jam there. And, yeah, and I said, we need a clock. So I went, I said, this is gonna be our contribution to psychedelic music. I said hmm. to myself, I went and got every. I said, hey man, we got our contribution to psychedelic music. But like, what are you talking about? Let's go into the studio. So we went in the studio, and when we got to that that A chord, I said, just stay right there. Stay right there. Lester, you need a clock. You need a clock. We didn't have a cowbell. You couldn't. Right, right. Well, some of, some of the uh, Latin percussion groups were using cowbells. Right. You couldn't go in a music store and find a cowbell.
0: Hmm. We couldn't find a cowbell it right. was nowhere. a big thing. Yeah. More cowbell.
1: The first cowbell <laughs> thing we had was... A a, a bumper guard from an old Plymouth car we found in an alleyway. Wow! We took that bumper guard off, and that was that was that made the clock sound. Interesting. I said, "You need We need a. We need a clock sound. Tick tock, tick tock." Yeah. And then the Joe, then Lester, right here, you scream. (laughs) And Joe, you (laughs) laugh at the same time. (laughs) The whole thing was like just delivered to me. Yeah. And I introduced it to my to my to my brothers. They they thought it was crazy. You're crazy. George hated it. Did he? Yeah. George hated it. He was he was he was mixing it up now, playing blues and doing everything else. And, right. But he every we did it every set. Right. And he said. We're not gonna do that song tonight, are we? To I heard Carol told me that yeah, story a long time yeah, ago. We're gonna do it every show. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna do it every show.
0: So how high on the charts did that get? Was that number one? Number
1: eleven. I number eleven. Six weeks, six months, three months, six months, months yeah. Three, yeah. That was number eleven. Yeah. Yeah. We never we never aimed, we never wanted to have a number one record. I gotta
0: I gotta admit when I heard that song, I did not know you guys were black. We did. I thought you guys were a white rock group,
1: and I bet a lot of other people did. That's what we were told by, yeah. I think it was Columbia Records told us to go home, to put the guitars down, get some suits of light, learn some steps, and play your own music.
0: Right. So they were mad and because and you Joe, did a psychedelic
1: and album. Joe said. What do you mean, play our music? We wrote this. This is <laughs> no our kidding. music. Yeah, exactly. And we did a, we did a in in, in South Carolina. There was a white dude. At a, he was a student at a university there, right. and he was in the filming department. And he wanted to make a movie with the Chambers brothers. Right. And he was he, he was a Klansman. His whole family. Was oh my a god. Something something about our music changed his whole... What a trip. Like, he didn't want us out of his sight, man. He rode, wow. he slept on the floor. What a trip. He wouldn't eat, he traveled with us. He says, you know, there's a great
0: story about a guy, a keyboard player, a guy named Gerald Davis. And he would make friends with Klansmen. Mm-hmm. And they would eventually drop the whole racist
1: thing. That's what happened to him. He came yeah. to he, he saw us in concerts. So we played every college and university. We got lucky. We didn't have to promote. We got caught yeah. up in that college and university thing. And when Kent State right. at the incident happened at Kent State, right, oh, put us in the red. We never recovered from that. Wow. All our gigs were colleges and universities. Yeah. Now we got to re-revamp, and we had yeah. to try to get into another method yeah and like for all those years we did colleges and universities
0: but you guys also did like the ballroom circuit right i mean you
1: did you didn't you do the fillmores we did a fillmore bill graham we yeah did i mean fillmore. you did the fillmore did auditoriums right winterland yeah i mean you we did, did those we did yeah that was the yeah. smallest venues we it was always colleges and universities right right and when that incident happened at king state and those kids got killed yeah there was no more, no, no, no more uh, entertainment. Uh,
0: you said because the colleges just co- put a kibosh on.
1: No, having entertainment. No, yeah. nothing. No, no social, no social gatherings were allowed it. no right. college or unit. But this yeah. guy in South Carolina, he had seen us at the at, at the university. He wanted to make a movie. Did it's called Miracle at Valley Park. I want to get you. want you to get a the chance to see that. I'd love know. to. Yeah. uh,
0: I'll see if I can find it on uh, YouTube. No, you won't. You won't? won't. Really?
1: Nobody's seen it. Wow. It's as great as Summer Soul. Yeah. There was a park there called Valley Park in South Carolina, where no two races had ever shared that park at the same time. When the blacks were there, it was only black. When Uh whites was there, it was only whites. Mexicans was there. It was, but when you Mexicans. guys
0: played, it was a total mix. That's
1: what he wanted. He yeah. wanted to bring everybody in the yeah. park at the same time. The police department says you're out of your mind. We won't. We won't. We won't support that. But it happened. We begged for electricity. There was no light. You know, we begged for electricity. Wow. Uh, everybody that was doing lights. Said no. Huh. The mayor, the governor, everybody said no you're crazy this can't happen this guy he wanted he wanted everybody to come together in the park that's amazing never was done ever before that everybody of of race was in the park at the same time
0: but you guys pulled it off
1: we went there we played it and uh, across the street white black computer across the street was a house and the the black family lived in there and and they let us use their house the dressing room area. Mm -hmm. and we were there and she got on the phone she called her friends and she says oh my god the Travis brothers are black black." she
0: couldn't believe it because she heard heard the music right like you said you thought we were I did,
1: did I see? had no idea. They're black. Yeah. And you know, one one evening I was sitting here watching T V and I heard I heard tie chews like lug wrenches hitting the ground right. outside. And the doorbell rang after a minute. This is a black guy. And he says, Sorry to bother you, man, but my my park brakes is not holding. I I need to change the tire. And Car rolling. Could I, mm-hmm. could I borrow one of your bricks? I got all those bricks out there. And he says, "I said sure." So he took a brick, and he fixed his, he changed his tire. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he rang the doorbell and he says, "Thanks for letting me use the." I said, "Oh, you didn't have to bring it back. You could have just left it there." He yeah. Said, oh no, I just and he looked at me. He says, "You look familiar." I says, "Yeah." He says, are you one of the Seamus brothers? I says, yeah, I'm Willie Seamus, man. He started, he started freaking out. Wow. Ah, oh my God, I was there, <laughs> I was there.
0: Oh, he was at the-
1: Park, I wow. was there. My grandmother, you used her house for your dressing wow. room. I was just a kid then. That's I, crazy. We were there, we were all there, me and me and all my friends. He got on the phone, he called up there all of his friends and he says, Oh, you won't believe this! That's I'm at, amazing. I'm at Willie Chambers' house. Yeah, Batty Park. He was freaking out. Yeah, he was I guess at so. that concert. Well, it sounds like it was a special thing. It was. A, and and he has a flat tire right in front of my house. That's
0: I. That's total serendipitous.